I'm Rachel, the creative director for Ramdas's Love Serve Remember Foundation, and I'd like to welcome you to our Inner Academy, a virtual Dharma Hall where our family of wisdom teachers will help you navigate your daily life by bringing ancient wisdom into a modern context. With over 200 hours of audio and video teachings, meditations, and practices from teachers like Ramdas, Krishnadas, Sharon Salzberg, Jack Kornfield, Roshi Joan Halifax, Joseph Goldstein, and many more. The Inner Academy is your core resource for finding balance, presence, and navigating the ups and downs of your daily life. The Inner Academy has guidance for every step of your journey. Choose from an annual or monthly membership and gain access to past and future courses, retreat replays, virtual community, and much more. If you've been familiar with Love Server Member Foundation for a while, you'll know that most of our offerings are given freely or on a sliding scale basis. So when you subscribe to the Inner Academy, you're paying it forward and bolstering our ability to continue creating accessible offerings for all in the future, as Ramdas wished for us to do. Be here now and start your journey with Ramdas's Inner Academy today. For more, visit ramdas.org forward slash inner academy. Teaching meditation can be a deeply rewarding experience. Help others improve their mental and emotional well-being reduce stress, improve focus, increase self-awareness and self-regulation, all while deepening your own practice and understanding. Join acclaimed author, Buddhist teacher, and Emmy Award-winning musician David Nickturn on Tuesday, May 28th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time for a free online discussion on teaching meditation in Dharma Moon's renowned Mindfulness Meditation Teacher Training Program. Get certified by Dharma Moon to teach meditation lead group practice sessions, and work with individual students. Visit dharmamoon.com slash be here now for more info and to reserve your spot for the free online event with David Nickturn on May 28th. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to the Krishnadas Pilgrim Heart Hour. This podcast is a manifestation of our interconnected lives, and we wish to keep it free at all costs, if you can say that. So, we are dependent on the generosity of you, our listeners. So, please go to mindpodnetwork.com slash kd, and either use the donate button, or just bookmark the Amazon portal. We receive a small percentage of however much you paid for whatever you bought. Nothing extra for you, but a tangible contribution, if small, for us. You could also sign up for a free trial with the voluminous audible.com. We get something out of that, too. We thank you for the support and allowing us to continue presenting Krishnadas's excellent talks. We don't know what else to call this, so we call it a workshop. No one has been able to come up with the right name for it.
So if you can figure out what this is later and tell me, I'll be very happy. But what we'll do is we sing a little bit and then uh, we'll talk a little bit. And uh, we'll share the path together and, and the practices that we do. Try to figure out what this is all about a little bit. Thank you. The goddess comes bearing gifts. I asked her, how much sugar would it take to make you nauseous? That's how much you have to put in for me. And she gave me one extra. Now that's... Caffeine was originally discovered by uh, Christian monks. They were berries. They started eating these berries, and they noticed that their meditations got much more alert. And that's how coffee, they finally realized what it was in the beans. So you might say that caffeine and God are very closely related. (laughs) Although one time I was traveling with this really great uh, yogi. He was 163 years old. He's still alive. He's about 188 now, I think. Really true. And uh, I carried this coffee powder mix that I brought from the States to India. And so I would get hot milk and then pour the coffee powder in and have my coffee. So we were doing this pilgrimage around the banks of a river called the Narmada River in central India. And every night we we were going in this little bus. Me, my Indian parents and about 20 of his insane devotees. And uh, they were so crazy, these people. Um, so every night we'd, get, we'd stop the bus at some little dharmsala or something along the way, and they would get out and make food, and we'd sleep there for the night and then get up in the morning and continue on the trip. So we were up on the roof of this house, of this hostel kind of, and uh, all the devotees were on one side. And me, this Baba, and another Baba, and my Indian parents were together on the other side of the roof. And we're just sitting there, and he, in a really loud voice, he yells to his Indian devotees, Bring me some milk. I want to have some coffee. So my father says to him, Baba, you don't drink coffee. He said, Yeah, I know. But my devotees are such assholes that if I don't ask for the coffee, Krishnadas won't get any. <laughs> That's love. Real love. So they brought the milk, and I made him a cup of coffee, and I, I gave it to him, and he just laughed. And, and he said, That's not the real thing. And I said, No, but would you give me some of the real thing? He said, Later, later. I'm still waiting. You know, that's the real satsang or sangha is so important. That means hanging out with people on the path who are beyond beyond you. You learn so much. It changes you so much just from being with these, these great beings who are living in it all the time. 
It changes the way you think, the way you feel about yourself, the way you feel about your life. It just changes you in a way beyond what you can imagine. We all have some image in our minds about what it's going to be like when, you know, we actually realize something. But you realize that it's not going to be like that. Because anything you imagine from this state of mind can't be the real thing. It can't be the unconditioned, uncontrived, natural state. You know what I'm talking about? So the idea is to, through practice, break your attachment and identification with your thoughts, with your imaginings, and with the emotions. Because the real thing is deeper than that, inside of us. Not somewhere else, it's in there. And if our own thoughts and emotions block us, what are we going to do? Where are you going to go to find the answer, you know? The answer is in there. So it's through practice that we break this, this, this uh, knee-jerk kind of identification with our thoughts. We're thinking all the time. Thoughts are going on all the time. And the weird thing is, we believe them. We believe everything we think. Have you noticed that? That is the definition of insanity. We believe everything we think. It's crazy. You wake up in the morning, I feel like shit today. Why? Right? Why do we feel like that? We may not even feel like that. We just think we feel like that. And that's enough to make us feel like that. We never question the fact that we believe everything we think. So somehow we have to slow that process down. We have to become quieter inside. And we have to develop the ability to let go of the thoughts and emotions as we notice that they've got us caught. So when we're chanting, you're singing. That's all you're asked to do. You're not asked to levitate or to, uh, you know, do anything other than keep singing. And then the other thing you're asked to do is to pay attention, which is the hardest thing in the universe. We're so trained to keep thinking, we never pay attention. We're dreaming all the time. Now, sometimes that's useful. You know, imagining it can be creative and all that stuff. But in terms of, of everyday life, in terms of the path of life through your whole life, we need to learn to pay attention. So in terms of practice, when we're chanting, we listen. You have to listen to me, I'm sorry. But then you also have to listen to yourself. And then the people around you are also singing, so that helps you remember to listen. And if you start to really notice what's going on, you'll see that you can't do one Sri Ram, Jai Ram, Jai Jai Ram without going away for a while. It's quite extraordinary. And then if you try to get too tight about trying to really pay attention, then you completely lose it.
So, like Buddha said, not too tight, not too loose. The middle path, a kind of a relaxed paying attention. It's something that takes a long time to get into, really. Little by little. Spontaneous enlightenment takes millions of births to manifest. So, don't be in a hurry, okay? You'll just hurt yourself. You'll trip on the curb. So, just sing. And when you notice you're not paying attention and not listening, listen. Every time you notice that you're not paying attention, just come back. Don't worry about what you're experiencing. That's not up to you. Just be here and be with whatever comes. Don't try to make anything happen. I, I, wouldn't, I don't want to join any club that would let me in. Because I've been there already. Anything I can imagine, it's got to be better than that because it hasn't been enough so far. Any fantasies I've had about this or that, they ended. So they couldn't be permanent. They couldn't be the real thing. So in order to find the real thing, we have to learn to let go of the false over and over and over. And then we begin to sense something from within that's very different. It happens. It has to happen because we're here. We're already here. Now we just have to recognize what that means. And that comes from practice. My guru used to say, Ram Nam Karnese Subpura Hojata. Which means from, from going on repeating these, these names of God, like Ram, Krishna, everything is completed. All the karmas are brought to fullness. Everything is made full. Yeah. So it's very interesting. He didn't teach, really. He didn't give lectures, that kind of stuff. But he would point you in the right direction. Continually repeating these names, gradually but inevitably, the presence that lives within us, our own true being, is uncovered. It's very hard for us to uh, recognize how subtly we're always thinking that what we're going to get is going to come from the outside. There's a great Rumi poem that goes, uh, uh, I forget the whole thing, it's like a knocking on your door, putting my head on your doorstep, waiting for the door to open, it opens, and I realize I've been knocking from the inside. I've been doing this stuff for about 40 years. More, actually. Shit, I'm old. And uh, it's just... It, it, I think it might just be starting to work. <laughs> a little bit. There's a great saint named Sri Ramakrishna. 
who lived in the 1800s. He talked about how this practice works. He said every repetition of one of these names, like these, they're called revealed names, because these names like Ram, Krishna, Kali, Shiva, all these names, they come to us in this world through beings who have recognized and realized what they are, right? So that they bring it in here and repeat it to us. So we hear it, and then when we repeat it to ourselves, gradually it reveals itself to us directly. But they come into this world through beings who have recognized and have realization. So that's why they're called revealed names, right? As opposed to Frank or something, you know. Shri Frank, J. Frank, J. J. Frank. I don't know. That may give you a headache. I don't know what that's going to do for you. But Ramakrishna says, every time you repeat one of these names, it's like planting a seed. Every repetition is actually a seed. And the seed gets caught by the wind, right? Carried away by the wind. And it lands on the roof of an old house in the middle of nowhere in India in the 1800s. And those roofs, roofs were made of sometimes of clay tiles that were uh, baked in the sun. So the seed gets caught, the seed of the repetition of the name gets caught on the roof of the house between these tiles, right? And gets stuck there. And then over time, and seasons and rain and wind and snow and whatever, fog, uh, the tiles start to break down. And when the tiles start to break down, the seed begins to grow. The roots, it starts to, to take root. And it grows and grows, and all the other seeds start to grow, roots. And the roots, they destroy the roof of this old house and keep growing, and they destroy the whole house, right? Ramakrishna says, this house is who we think we are, our conventional sense of self, the ego, the small s self. That's the house. So through the repetition of these names, the seeds eventually, when conditions arise that are favorable, the seeds begin to grow and they destroy the roof of the house, and then they destroy the whole house. And then, like, you think you're you, right? And then you think everything else is outside of you. There's an outside and an inside. It's the same with the house. When the walls of the house are destroyed, the outside and the inside, there is no, there's just space. So when the walls of our sense of self are melted down, there's only open space everywhere, presence, you might say. You don't lose yourself. You lose the constriction. You lose the smallness. And you, the thinking about this is me and everything else is something else. And everyone is somebody else. Then you experience what oneness. But you notice what he doesn't talk about. He doesn't say, you feel this or you feel that. Or you feel this or you feel that. Because it isn't about that. When you do this practice, you just sing. 
everything that comes to mind, everything you feel, whether it's depression or joy, you keep singing. That's the key. You keep repeating the names because it's going to keep freeing you from everything that you get stuck on. And ultimately, when you don't get stuck on anything, you, you recognize your true nature, which is happiness and joy and love and truth and all that other shit. That's good. But it doesn't come and go. It's always here. So through the repetition of these names, from planting these seeds, everything, you know, every karma, every action is a seed. If we plant seeds of shame and fear and guilt and selfishness, what's going to grow? More of that. So with this practice, we're planting seeds of something that's beyond good and bad, up and down, in and out. It's about recognizing what's here. And that comes from within. Nobody gives it to you. Some beings can give you a little hit, and which points you in the right direction, but ultimately you have to walk the path with your own muscles, with your own body. You have to go yourself. Nobody can enlighten you. Thank you. Is it of any significance at all which names? Wh which name? Are we singing or at? You mean whether Ram or Krishna or Kali or something like that? Yeah. No, not or as far as I'm concerned. Every sect, every lineage has their uh, emphasis because their teachers, their gurus, had their experiences through a particular practice. And each one of them says, this is the only way. <laughs> so if you're in that path, that's the only way, you know. The only way is whatever way you go. So I once asked my father, my Indian father, Mr. Tuari, who I'll probably talk a lot about. I said, Baba, who is greater, Vishnu or Shiva? He said, how can you compare infinites? You know, it's mind stuff. Anything mind working is just, you know, ultimately it's ridiculous. Ultimately. You can just think you have your name, Krishna. What's that? Yeah, yeah. I just thought maybe because your name is Krishna Das, it is of any significance. I thought so too. <laughs> so maybe <laughs> you have to have to sing Krishna, Rame, Rame, Hare Krishna more often than other guys. <laughs> my, my guru was, was in a lineage of Hanuman and of Ram, right? So when he, one day he called me, first of all, for, year, for about a year he called me, everybody, all the other Westerners got Indian names, you know, Ram Das, Bhagavan Das, uh, somebody was Krishna, somebody was Ramana, somebody, all these names, right? Me, he called Driver. <laughs> Ram Das had a car, we bought its Volkswagen bus from somebody and we drove around India. And one day Maharaji looks at Ram Das, Ram Das, you're the commander in chief. He's the driver. Give him the keys. So he gave me the keys to the car, and I drove everywhere. And he would call me driver whenever he went, driver, come here, driver, come here. You know. So I figured after about a year, well, that's it. Everybody else is going to get names, and I'll be the driver. So I walked into the temple one morning, and um, he calls me in the room, and he says, he looks at me, and he goes, 
Arjuna, nay. Krishna, nay. Krishna Das. And I went, Krishna Das? You know, what are you talking about, Krishna Das? We're Hanuman people, you know. He just laughed. He said, don't worry, don't worry. Hanumanji served Krishna too. You know, so it's only, you know, I mean, people make up things to fight about. That's what people do and argue about and make distinctions about. But ultimately, it's all one. And whatever practice you do, whatever you're pulled to, that's the one you should do. And if it's one on Thursday and a different one on Friday, don't tell anybody. <laughs> and then nobody will criticize you. Okay. Sure. Um, yesterday you talked about uh, karma and you know, how we all must have had some connections in our past life. Mm-hmm. So I want to know, do you think you found your guru or your guru found you? That's like saying, you know, when, am I, when I'm asleep and someone comes in and wake me up, did I bring that person in or did they come and wake me up? Well, how did you get to... Gur- gurus are awake, we're asleep. <laughs> There's nothing we can do in our sleep. Guru means awake, somebody who is awake. So you don't find a guru. It might look like that because we think we're doing what we're doing, but in reality, it's the guru that finds us. And besides, Guru is not a physical being. Guru, God, and self are not different. That's the real truth of it. If you meet a being that you recognize as your Guru, it's not the physical person that's your Guru, it's what's in there. And when that body dies, does that mean your Guru died? Gurus don't die because Gurus are alive, they're awake. We're the ones who are asleep. So we think all this dream stuff is real. They're awake and they say, hello, hello in there. Hey, boom, they throw an apple at you or something. Hey, wake up, you know. I don't want to wake up. I said, wake up. No, I don't want to wake up. And we're fighting all the time. So from our point of view, yes, we might want to go out. We might look for a teacher, you know. But that's just our point of view. The The reality is that Guru is always with you because it's your true nature is that. You know, once again, Tuari came to the temple one time in India. He, he lived in a town about 20 miles away. And the minute he got to the temple, the minute he got into the courtyard, he started yelling at Maharaji, screaming at him. They used to do this all the time. He said, why did you drag me here? Why did you? Dra- I was happy at home. I had no intention to come. Why did you drag me here? To Maharaji, his guru, right? Maharaji said, I dragged no one, but for 83 lives we've been together. It had to happen. <laughs> what are you going to do with that? <laughs> Thank you. So they're the ones that know what, what's really happening. You know, it's like, it's very similar. It's like we're actors on stage, but we forgot that we're playing this role. The director remembers, and then he turns the lights off, and he turns the lights on, and he says, hey, wake up. You're not really that person. But this is what happens, and then. But we we have this disease of of and of of me-ness, you know, and me-ness keeps thinking that me is doing everything. That's the way we see it. So then you might as well do good stuff, you know. If you have a choice, a lot of people talk about ask about choices. Do we have a choice? Do we have choices? Yeah. If you think you have a choice, then make it, you know. Do the right thing. Do the best thing you can do for yourself. 
and for everyone in your life. Why would you not do that? Right? Why would one not do that? Don't go around thinking, ah, oh, there's no choices to make, everything happens. Fine, if there's a car coming at you at 100 miles an hour, you're going to stand there and say, ah, oh, it doesn't matter. I don't think so. See, reality is different than what we think it is. Thank you for listening to the Krishnadas Pilgrim Heart Hour. We really appreciate your support and hope you'll continue that support by going to mindpodnetwork.com kd and clicking on the donate button or using our amazon.com portal for all of your purchases. Thank you. Namaste.